Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Acts 9. There is no such thing as a boring testimony. No such thing. It is impossible for someone to have a story where they tell of being dead in their sins to then being made alive with Christ, to go from being a non-believer to being truly converted and a believer. It is impossible to tell a story like that and for it to truly be boring. Now, admittedly, some testimonies stand out. And today, we will look in Acts chapter 9 to see one of the most famous conversion stories in the history of the church. But even as we read this, and you say, well, that's exciting. My testimony is not as exciting as that. Well, your testimony may not have the same dramatic details, but I want you to see, even in the conversion of Saul, some things that should make you grateful and make you value your own story of salvation and for you to be amazed at the grace of God. Acts chapter 9 tells at the beginning the story of the conversion of Saul. And we met Saul yesterday in our reading in Acts chapter 8, where he's approving of the execution of Stephen, and it says that he is ravaging the church. So this guy is a very passionate persecutor of Christians. He is a passionate persecutor of the church. And when we come across him again in verse 1 of chapter 9, it says that he is still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. So he is about as hostile as you could possibly be towards Christianity and towards Christians. Enter God. And we know the story. He's on his way to Damascus. He has approval to arrest Christians there to bring them back to Jerusalem. But then verse 3, now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Uh, And then it says, the men who were with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. And then Saul, he can't see. He's blinded, as we'll see temporarily, for three days. But they bring him into Damascus. Uh, At this point, we meet another character in the story, Ananias. And as we meet him, Consider his position, clearly the fact that Saul was coming was known, and what he was coming to do was known. So now the Lord appears to Ananias and tells him to go and find Saul, uh, and you're going to go heal him so he can regain his sight. Uh, And so you can maybe sense some of Ananias' hesitation, uh, uh, Lord, 
I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And so Ananias then obeys, he goes and he lays his hands on Saul and he receives his sight, something like scales, it says, fall from his eyes and Saul is baptized. So Saul is now converted through this vision and and whatever went on in those three days of blindness, he is now uh, repenting of his sins and following the Lord Jesus Christ. What an amazing testimony that is. And one thing I want us to see is Saul so clearly is an enemy of the gospel. He is a persecutor of the church. He is an enemy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one thing we see here is that we know from the Bible, God sometimes and will ultimately judge his enemies. But sometimes what God does is he takes one of his enemies and he transforms them and causes them to be born again and brings them into his family. And that's what we're seeing here with Saul. He was an enemy, but now he is a part of God's people, a part of the family of God. And that's where I want you to think of yourself that way. You were once God's enemy. You might not have been killing Christians or throwing them in jail, but you were an enemy of God. And now if you are saved, you have been welcomed into his family. You have been brought to his table. Isn't that amazing? Don't you see why I'm saying there's no boring testimonies? You were an enemy and God has now made you his friend and his child. And there's one cross-reference I want us to consider this morning. And it comes in 1 Timothy chapter 1, where uh, now the apostle Paul, uh, who Saul's name will be changed to, um, he reflects on what Christ had done for him. And it says in 1 Timothy 1 verse 12, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Can you say that today? The grace of of our Lord has overflowed for you with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus because you were once his opponent, you were once a blasphemer, you were once an enemy of the gospel, but he has shown you grace and mercy instead of the judgment that you deserve. And I think we should be able to join in a chorus and sing the next line that Paul says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Uh, We should all be able to say Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am exhibit A. I was a sinner, still am a sinner, and Christ has saved me. And God has saved us for our purposes, but I received mercy for this reason that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. 
And, and Paul is probably special in some ways there, but all of us, we are trophies of God's patience, trophies of God's grace. Um, and we, we should be able to identify with this. And we see another thing. Paul is then given a purpose. He's going to carry his name to the Gentiles. And it talks from the get-go about how much he will suffer. Now, again, maybe some of us don't have the details before conversion that Saul did, and we might not have the details after conversion that the apostle Paul did. But all of us, we were enemies, and now in some way we are called to serve Christ, and in some way that service will involve suffering. And one thing, as I was just reading this passage and thinking, wow, Paul's enemy, or God's enemy, Saul, is now brought into God's family. That's amazing mercy. So even if God speaks of suffering that now then the apostle Paul will experience, it's much less suffering than he deserved. And that should be a good perspective for us. Even as Christians, we will experience suffering in this life. Let's all be assured it's much less suffering than we deserve. We deserve to suffer the wrath of God as his enemies, but he has shown mercy to us. And then we see the change in uh, Saul. He begins to teach in the synagogue and claim that Jesus is the son of God. And he's confounding the Jews, it says in verse 22. So now uh, they plot to kill Saul. Uh, So the man who killed Christians is now being sought to be killed as a Christian, but they let him down um, through a basket, through an opening in the wall to escape. And he comes to Jerusalem. And again, the disciples are somewhat understandably afraid of him, but Barnabas goes and, and brings him in. And we see him beginning to speak powerfully in Jerusalem and they want to kill him. So he goes off to Tarsus and we will not see Saul again until he kind of re-enters the picture later again with Barnabas. Uh, And at that point, the things are going to shift back to Peter. But another thing to notice in this chapter is verse 31. Another one of these summary statements about what God is doing. It says, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Now, at first, that may seem like an oxymoron. Um, How is it good that I'm walking in fear and in comfort? How is that even possible? How can I walk in fear and in comfort? And that's where we need to understand the fear of the Lord is, it, it does really involve fear, but it's good. It is a fountain of life and the fear of the Lord goes along with comfort. Only when we fear the Lord can we truly be comforted and not be afraid of anything else. So no reverence for God and a fear of the Lord isn't, you know, stodgy and squelching to our lives. It actually brings comfort and peace and it will lead to the multiplication of God's people. The chapter closes with two stories of miracles uh, now that the apostle Peter does, healing a man who was paralyzed and then raising this woman, Tabitha or Dorcas, to life. And we'll pick up more things with Peter as he now brings the gospel to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. But I want us to think about conversion and even to consider um, 
the healings that happen at the end are, are things that, that picture in some way salvation, right? In this chapter, we see the lost are found, the blind will see, the lame will walk, the dead will live. And what a beautiful picture of salvation. So I, I do want you today, especially to thank God that although you were his enemy, you will not experience his wrath. Uh, you, you can be brought into his family. You can become one of his servants. And so we should praise God for that today. We should be able to say with Paul, uh, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm exhibit A. Another memorable testimony in history is that of John Newton, who was a, a slave trader, uh, a great sinner. And he's now most famous for a hymn that he wrote called Amazing Grace. And even when John Newton was old, he, he said this memorable line. He said, although my memory is fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner and Christ is a great savior. May we praise God for our own salvation and we, may we pray that God will take some notable enemies of his today and turn them into his servants. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.